Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, and a podcast for fans of music in general, and a podcast for singers, songwriters, entertainers, artists who are working hard to make a go at what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak. Make sure you check us out online at www.nhte.net. And the show is available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. I'm thrilled to be joined here today live at the Tascam booth at the NAMM show in Anaheim, California by Jordan Rudis. Hello, my friend. How's it going? <laughs> great, great. Jordan, uh, we just heard you playing some music that um, we saw you play in a manner that people are not used to seeing you play. Right. Tell the listeners who and uh, thrilled to have um, listeners in 124 countries around the world to now hear this entertainment. Tell them what you were just playing physically. So uh, I was just playing on a, a iPad instrument, which is called GeoShred. It's an application uh, that I developed with my partners at Wisdom Music. Uh, they're called Mo Forte, uh, and so it's it, it, it's really an instrument, but it runs on a multi-touch device. And we're here at the Tascam booth, and uh, you are running this through their their IXR. Um, just talk about kind of the, the cooperation between the two and your experience with the Tascam unit. Yeah, well, my developers actually um, were in close contact with Tascam while we were developing this instrument because GeoShred is obviously an audio instrument, but it also has a full MIDI implementation. One of the great, great things about GeoShred is that it's now a controller. So you don't have, what you guys were hearing with the sound of the internal synthesizer, but if you have whatever synthesizer, whether it's Omnisphere or Alchemy or who knows what, you can use this playing surface and all that really, really cool sliding to have whatever sound you want. And that's like really unchartered kind of territory to be able to slide around. And it's all like you can slide in different directions and do the whole kind of what they call MPE MIDI, but in a really, really unique way, which is my kind of invention, this playing surface, which lets you get around on a multi-touch device and be expressive. And, and when you were playing it, you sounded, if people were walking around and they didn't see, they would think someone's over here playing a guitar. So as someone who is a keyboardist, how much of a transition is that for you to say, here we go, I'm going to sound like I'm playing a guitar, and, and you're not only not playing a guitar nor a keyboard, but you're playing an iPad? Well, I mean, playing leads in general, you know, whether it's on a keyboard or a guitar, is all very familiar kind of territory to me. First of all, I do play some guitar, so I have that, that background. Um, although I haven't played a lot in recent years, probably because I have Geo right now. <laughs> so, um, but you know, on the keyboard I play a lot of leads. But the beautiful thing about this is Geo Shred not only can shred leads; it happens to be like probably my favorite thing to do on it. But it's got a wide variety of cool sounds uh, all over the map. I made like a hundred different patches that do all kinds of uh, amazing things. But the whole thing is based on physical guitar modeling. So what that basically means is you have access to all the things. Like you can decide what kind. Of strings. What kind of? Where is the bridge? Wow. What kind wow. of bridge is it? You can move those parameters around very fast and in interesting ways to create textures that you couldn't really get out of a guitar. So it is a different instrument. But as far as the expression and the organic nature of it, it kind of behave. It can behave like a guitar. Yeah. And so for those of you listening, uh, do go and look for the GeoShred app. And I'm looking at it right now on Jordan's iPad, and it says piano, guitar, slide. A lot of the very things that he's referring to. Um, a long way from second grade when your teacher told you to, to take piano lessons and, and you probably never thought, um, uh, these teachers, they all have advice for me and look at what it's turned into right, for you, right. not only with Dream Theater, but now doing this too. Yeah, a very funny, I'll tell the story quickly, is that about 10 years ago when the iPhone first came out, 
I had a very preliminary little bit piece of software that had a horrible sound and terrible graphics, and, and but I was holding it in my hand, and I was moving my finger around it, and I thought, oh, you know, there's something here. There's some really cool thing. And my wife was listening to it, and she was saying, what are you doing? That sounds terrible. Why are you, why are you playing with that little device when we have this beautiful new Steinway Grand in the wow. other room that we just wow. bought? I was like, no, no, no. It's okay, honey. I got something in my mind here. She was like, well, you're absolutely out of your mind. That, that year, I released MorphWiz, which was uh, the Billboard Award winner uh, app for that, you know, for that time period. And she looked at me and says, okay, so you were right this time. <laughs> <laughs> you said, can I get you on, on, can I record you saying that? It's probably few and far between. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, those of you don't, that don't know Jordan's background, at the ripe old age of nine years old at the Juilliard School of Music, mm. unbelievable. It was a crazy time. I entered the school after having two years of piano lessons with more like local teachers, and uh, there were all these kids around me, also prep Juilliard preparatory people who were like writing operas and doing like the most. I was you know pretty good at the piano, but the kids around me were like <laughs> a little bit. The whole scene was a little bit frightening. Who was this kid? Uh, it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, so we want to remind everyone, obviously, uh, to look for Geo Shred the app, uh, but also find Jordan online at www.jordanrudis.com. And then he's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure that you're checking out Now Hear This Entertainment on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, we talked uh, before we went on the air to, to record this um, that obviously there's going to be some discussion about Dream Theater, and you were just telling everyone here that uh, the band is going to be touring extensively in Europe. That's right. We're uh, ready to embark on our next tour. I get home from Nam and all this madness, and hopefully, well, I have no choice. I'm getting on a plane to Europe, and we'll start touring. Uh, starting in Italy, ending in Finland, I think. Wow, outstanding. Yeah. So, as I mentioned, uh, Now Hear This Entertainment will be three years old in February, and uh, we've gotten listeners from 124 countries around the world. So those of you who are listening to this episode uh, from within Europe, make sure you're looking online to see where and when you can go see Dream Theater, uh, who was first called Majesty That's right. when the first release uh, came out. Um, for those that are not at, at, um, Dream Theater aficionados, why was the name changed from Majesty to Dream Theater? Oh, well, there was a lot of changes in those days. <laughs> you know, they were, they were ready to, to try to make it big, and, you know, they wanted to have something that was a little cooler. Any, any, did you ever give any thought to re-releasing that, that first album? Did, I don't even know how many copies you did of, of the first yeah, one. Uh, first of all, I was not in the group with Majesty. I've been with Dream Theater just about 19 years now. But that Is was, that all? That was before, that was before I was born. <laughs> But has the band ever considered re-releasing the first one, even though it was called Majesty? Then I, I don't. I'm. You know, I'm not really sure. I think you could, my fans probably know more about that than me. You can find it. You know, if you go online, you can hear the albums. So. Well, at the beginning uh, of of those those early years, it was widely felt that that Rush was the big influence for Dream Theater. Are there bands nowadays that cite Dream Theater as as their influence? Oh, there's tons of them. Yeah, we're running into people all the time. You know, young guitarists, drummers, keyboardists that. Uh, um, you know, really sight dream theater. It's it's such an honor, though. It's a responsibility. <laughs> well, what about you as a keyboard player? Are you influenced by other keyboard players, and if so, who? Um, am I? Yes, of course, I'm influenced. You know, one of my great keyboard heroes unfortunately passed away this last year. Keith Emerson. He was probably the biggest influence in my you know keyboard life after I got out of playing classical music. But uh, in addition to him, you know, Rick Wakeman, Patrick Mraz, Jan Hammer, all these kind of uh, you know, guys had a big influence on my 
musical path. And now, and also a lot of the electronic music that's out there, like Aphex Twin or Autiker. I love Cigaros and different, a lot of different kinds of music. But I admire you that you said it's a responsibility because obviously, you know, you're talking about your influences and, and dream theater aside as a band, you know, you as an individual, I'm sure there are also keyboard players who come up to you and mm-hmm. say, you've influenced me. How does that make you feel? Nervous. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's kind of one of those thanks. I don't know what to say. Good luck. Keep, <laughs> no, keep keyboarding. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I tell that's them awesome. to remember to breathe. Uh, well, in 2010, you started a software company called Wisdom Music. Um, just tell our, our listeners a little bit about that company. Yeah, so uh, I had mentioned the story before about sitting around playing a horrible sound with horrible graphics, but moving my finger all around a multi-touch screen and feeling like there's something here. This, I, I know that there's a way to express music on this. I met a partner called Kevin Chartier, and we developed the app MorphWiz, which was a real combination between the audio world and the visual world. I tried to put them together and make it an instrument that would both be very musical and effective, but also allow people to make music that hadn't made music before, because you could do things like putting a beautiful pentatonic scale, and you could run your finger over the multi-touch surface and just create some magic, and also it would look really cool. This, this app, this GeoShred, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say has unlimited potential, but what is your vision for it? Do you see this being used uh, in an EDM sense where there's a producer on stage and just him using this? Do you see it being used in a band setting? What, what is your vision as this continues yeah. to evolve? Well, actually, it's interesting. A friend of mine from Italy just sent me a really cool video of him playing with a band, and he was the Geo Shred player. They were doing yeah. a cover of uh, Hysteria by Muse, and it's awesome. It's really, really awesome. He's getting, all, he's pulling all kinds of great sounds out of this. So he is like, you know, this, no keyboard player, he's the geoshred player. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the future of this instrument, I mean, it's very powerful. I, I want people, I really want to spread the word that, you know, if you have an iPad in the future, if you have whatever Android device, we're not there yet because of a lot of different reasons, but if you have a multi-touch device, this can be your instrument. You can go and severely rock and shred and have all the power and the emotion coming right out of the iPad. And I do it all the time now. This is like, you know, there's certain instruments that I love to play. When I'm sitting and playing GeoShred, I just, it's like a really, really great feeling. You know, I get that at my Steinway piano. Sometimes I, I get that at my synthesizers, but I just love playing GeoShred. Well, standing awesome. off to the side watching you use this, you looked like you were very much into it, just the same way as, as a guitar player would it, be or a yeah. keyboard player it, would be. It's very emotional because you have to work to pull out the harmonics and to get it to really sing. And, you know, you're, you're literally, like, you know, putting that energy behind it to make it, to make the sound happen. So you're contr- it's like you're controlling the wild beast in a way, which is the beauty of like a guitar. Has this been incorporated into Dream Theater yet? And if not, will it be? Yes, it has been. Uh, I've used it on the last couple of albums to do different leads. So, uh, yeah. And it's, and it's obviously here and, to and, stay. And I used it all over the latest Le- Levin Miniman Rudis album, which is called In the Law Offices of Levin Miniman Rudis. There's a lot of geoshred on that. But obviously we see its portability and you can you can use it anywhere. So this will be on stage when people go and see Dream Theater. It is, yeah. This is my, this is my Korg Kronos keyboard, which is the mothership of the Dream Theater world for me. And then I have an arm that comes out and it holds my iPad so I can run geoshred. Is it too early or do you already have a vision for, okay, now we have this, 
but next we want to do it for, uh, say, the violin players or for the drummers or for, are there visions to develop it into, the, into other well, areas? That's a great question. I mean, I'm working with the guys who, who I met out of Stanford, and, you know, they're the people who started physical modeling. The wonderful Julius Smith is responsible for a lot of what this is, and we have a large vision for where this can go. You sure. talked about uh, you know 2010 starting um, Wisdom Music and now here we are in 2017. So how long is something like this specifically GeoShred um, from from concept to reality to actually come up with the idea and then find <coughs> someone like Stanford or someone like Moforte? Right, right. Well, the, the physical modeling. You know, my partners have been working on physical modeling for 20 years. Um, but you know, when we, we when we decided to team up and create this, it probably took about a year to pull together the ideas, the existing technology, and make this happen. Um, we're here at the Tascam, or excuse me, at the Tascam booth at the NAM show. Uh, who else are you here with? Uh, you came, we talked about the Tascam IXR. Um, what other companies are you here involved with at the NAM show? Well, I'll be downstairs at the Moforte booth, my partners with GeoShred. I'm doing a very cool um, Keith Emerson tribute uh, at Korg today at 5.15. If you guys can squeeze in the room there, it'd be a pleasure to have you. It's uh, you know, a very important event for me because I'm playing all of Tarkus. It's an intense, long piece, one of my favorites. Uh, I'll be upstairs doing a, uh, at the Roly booth doing a piece that I wrote for three live seaboardists and Mr. Jack Parisi on the most amazing, tiniest, tiniest little, uh, it's called it's called a light pad block. It's Roly's new thing, and it's amazing. you got to see this guy play drums on that. So I think that, Keith, is that a two? Is it... Uh, what? When is rolling? Oh, I see. Yeah, 2 o'clock upstairs at Rolly, you'll see an extremely progressive piece that I just wrote for the Seaboard players. And then I have, uh, today I'm with Mark Wood, uh, doing also a Keith Emerson tribute um, at 4 uh, in one of the concourses around the area. Jordan, it interests me that so many guests that I've talked to on my show are doing so many different things. One guest said, well, this is the new economy. Nobody does just one thing. So here's Jordan Rudis of Dream Theater, yet... Today, you are Jordan Rudis, who has joined with Mo Forte for the Geo Shred, and you're talking about these other projects you're involved in. Um, I guess it's two questions. You know, why not just Dream Theater uh, and, and all these other projects? Is this, to, do you agree with that? Do you feel that this is the norm, that no real musician is just doing one thing? Everybody's kind of got their hand in a bunch of different projects? Well, I think it's really smart for young musicians to be doing more than one thing just so they can keep feeding themselves. But for me, it's more about both that too but um <laughs> but for me it's about the passion that i have for new instruments for expression for you know i i just became like so into synthesizers when i was leaving juilliard and getting out of the classical thing i discovered the mini mode and how you could bend pitch and move knobs and all this kind of stuff and the other things that i won't go into uh this gathering but um it led me on this path to really wanting <clears throat> excuse me to really wanting to explore new instruments and new sounds and again, when I was playing with you know the first multi-touch devices, I was thinking, oh my God, there's so much potential here. So I'm kind of like a uh, an explorer just because of my passion. I play like all the new instruments. Some of them I get it more attached to than others. Things like the Seaboard, I think, are amazing. You know, the possibilities and the apps on the iPad are incredible. And so I just have a uh, you know 
this thirst for uh, expression and, and new technology. And so, yeah, so it sounds like you've always been fascinated by, you know, at the time, I mean, coming out of coming out of Juilliard, technology wasn't really the same as what technology is now, and I mean more so the definition than the application, but it sounds more that you also had that interest in technology then, and as technology has grown, it has just fed your yeah. desire to... to play with gadgets. Yeah. Lately, I've been uh, exploring the VR world, virtual, the virtual oh reality thing. And actually, there's some, of, some of my friends are here. Um, you can check out the Chroma Coda booth downstairs, and he does some amazing things with the VR. He's got a, a, a VR application called the Music Room. I think he's in Hall D. Chroma Coda. You guys got to see it. It's absolutely incredible. You put on the VR goggles and you're like you can play these cool drum sets and play these expressive instruments uh and you know that's so exciting because i really know that it's you know th that's that's a great direction it's it's going somewhere really important yeah i see how excited you get when you talk about this it's i am like so the excited oh my god shop kind of thing. <laughs> if, if you didn't have all these commitments i think that you would be i'll say it again kid in a candy shop running around at nam trying all the different gadgets if i didn't have all these commitments i'd be down at the vr booth like <laughs> going like this with my hands okay yeah <laughs> Jordan, this is this is all fantastic stuff, and we, and we could keep going, but I know that, that your time is limited. So, uh, again, I want to thank Jordan Rudis. Make sure you check him out online at www.jordanrudis.com, and then follow him on social media. He's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And, of course, the app is called GeoShred. Look for that on the, uh, I, uh, on the iPhone and on the iPad. And, again, uh, the show is Now Hear This Entertainment. We are at www.nhte.net, and the show is available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Bruce Wozniak, and this is Now Hear This Entertainment. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Cool, man.
This is our special series of interviews done live on location, and you know about the various outlets where you can hear Now Hear This Entertainment, as well as the various social media platforms you can engage with the show through. But I've stepped back into Crystal Blue Sound Studios long enough to tell you about some of the other features around Now Hear This Entertainment. When you're looking for music from any of the guests who appear on Now Hear This Entertainment, or for that matter, anytime you're going to make any kind of purchase from Amazon, period, be sure to go to www.nhte.net and click on the tall Amazon banner to get there. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it does help with a small return from Amazon to NHTE, which helps keep the show going so you can continue to hear great artist interviews and their original music each week. If you really love the show, wear it. There are NHTE t-shirts and hats available for purchase at nhte.net. It's a fun way to spread the word to others about this podcast. Those of you who are regular listeners to the show know all about the tip I always give out in the middle of each episode talking to up-and-coming performers. That's a segment called Bruce's Bonus, and as much as I'd like you to go back and listen to past episodes of NHTE to try to find all those bonuses, they have all been compiled for you in a concise ebook format, which you can purchase at www.brucesbonusbook.com. I also want to hear your thoughts on the show and chat online with you, as well as get the listeners talking to one another, which is why there is a special Facebook group for NHTE listeners. Look for the NHTE Facebook group icon at nhte.net, or just search on Facebook for the group. It's called NHTE Listeners. And we also now have a Patreon for the show. I sincerely appreciate your consideration of an ongoing monthly donation to help support continued production and related expenses of NHTE. There are different levels of giving listed, as well as some neat thank you gifts for doing so. Just go to nhte.net and look for the Patreon button, or go to patreon.com slash nhte. And of course, Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash nhte. One final note from here at the studio before we resume the live on-location interviews, and that is for you to check out Crystal Blue Sound Studios online. They are located near Tampa, Florida, but in this day and age of online file sharing and cloud storage can help you regardless of where you are. So be sure to visit www.cbpro.net, as in Crystal Blue Productions, cbpro.net. And now, back to our special NAM Show series. Here in California, guys, welcome to the show. How you doing? How you doing? 
uh, specifically Vinny himself, Vinny Carlini, and Miguel Gonzalez. Um, guys, uh, the show has been fortunate enough to have gotten listeners from 124 countries around the world, which means that there are going to be listeners to this episode of NHTE that are just being introduced to Vinny and the Hooligans. So first and foremost, um, you know, maybe just kind of introduce yourselves and who does what in the band, and then who's not here and what do they do? Sure, sure. Uh, my name is Vinny Carlini, and uh, I'm the vocalist uh, and guitar player of Vinny and the Hooligans. I am Miguel Gonzalez. I am the upright bass player and uh, backup vocalist. And we have a couple other guys. We uh, we have our, our friend Michael Pham who plays the banjo. Uh, he's not here right now. He was on his way. He probably won't make it. And then we also have a younger guy that just joined the band about a year and a half ago named Emmanuel. And uh, he plays the fiddle for us. And we just heard another song of yours called Another Shade of Blue. Um, tell the listeners about that song. Yeah, this song is uh, off of our newest EP. It's a little four-song EP, but this song is... Uh, it's a little slower vibe, but it kind of um, we kind of took like a little swing of a direction when we had our accordion player go. Um, he's just doing his family thing, but this song kind of it actually kind of ties into that. He had a couple kids, and also myself getting married, and and just this this song's mostly about just being a husband and kind of taking uh, life by the horns and becoming a man more than a boy. Um, so it just kind of walks through some of the ups and downs in my relationship with my wife and then also hopefully it ties into other people's everyone has those problems at first you know everyone has ups and downs so unfortunately yeah but it, it helps you grow you know it's a, a better place it's a, it's a clever title for the song though because i was listening to you describe it and i'm thinking okay wait a minute i'm waiting to hear another shade of blue and then the, the light went off in my head and, and uh i can see how you how you tie it all together it's, a, it's an interesting concept um I asked this question to another guest that I was interviewing here at the NAM show. Uh, again, thinking about those listeners who are being introduced to Vinny and the Hooligans for the first time, if you were filling out some sort of band profile online and it said genre and you can only put in one genre, what would you, what label would you put on Vinny and the Hooligans? I'll give this one to Miguel. This is always a hard one. Everyone asks us what we would describe it as, but if you, know, you had to pick one. I've asked, I've asked myself that question a lot. Um, I would probably say just Americana, straight Americana. Um, even though, yeah, we do have some of that full bluegrass kind of vibe feel. Um, I think with everything that we bring to the table, it just brings a sense of just like that Americana vibe. You know, we're all um, just from our backgrounds and everything that we come back. Uh, that, of music that we play, we just try to bring it back home. And just from listening to other Americana music, it just seems like that's kind of where we. Eat. So now, having heard another shade of blue, having heard you say uh, Americana, a little bit of bluegrass, um, who who do you draw comparisons to, or who do you tell people, hey, if you like so and so, then you're going to like our music? It's tough. I usually write. A lot of my songs when I'm trying not to listen to people because a lot of times you get too much influence Without sometimes. sounding like someone else. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it really, if I had to compare it to, it would just be somewhere, somewhere between a Bruce Springsteen vibe and then if you were to just cross that with um, some, I don't know, Flogging Molly or Oval, uh, The Devil Makes Three is a band we like. It's an old-timey band. Yeah, like Old Crow Medicine Show. Sometimes I'll, I'll tell people, um, yeah, sometimes I'll tell people, like, if it was like Flogging Molly without drums, it, it's so much of that Irish vibe, you know? But it's kind of like that direction, uh, mainly because of 
where we all like our backgrounds where we all come from our banjo player was in a punk rock band like a gnarly punk rock band and that's he brings out like punk vibe i played in like rockabilly psychabilly bands wow. and this is like taking a step back you know from i could play pocket and really just enjoy myself and just there's more soul to this you know and Vinny's background with some of the music that he's listened to it's all rock and roll but we just it just seems like we took this really big hyped up music that we would listen to and we just toned it down just a bit so yeah I mean our influences I feel do kind of speak in a sense um, you know everywhere from like Flogging Molly Social Distortion to you know Against Me and Gaslight Anthem and we were just we sometimes now talk about we're on the way on the way here we were like hey man what if we got drums and went electric and did that right you know I think it'd be kind of a cool vibe to especially the, the music and stuff that he's that Vinny's writing it's all real life stuff you know it's it hits home I mean there's my wife will sometimes listen to this song to be like wow like you know that was you know I get, I get family calling and, but they say it in an unbiased way exactly it's just like uh well, you want unbiased, right? <laughs> My wife, you would think she was the most biased, but she's actually the most critical of them all, you know? Really? She, oh, yeah. She'll she'll tell me when I didn't have a good performance, and she'll tell me when a song sounds too much like someone else. She'll, she'll critique it. So as both a husband and and as a performer, uh, is that what you want from her? Or? Oh, I wouldn't have it any other way. Because I know I, I like prefer honesty because in the, in the long run that's going to make me a better musician and a better songwriter is if I have someone telling me what's wrong with it. And, and dare I say a better husband. Oh, of course. It of challenges course. you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. It you a standard. So, uh, Vinny, you mentioned before that um, that you are a songwriter. Are you the only one that's writing in the band? or? Um, the way that we do it is I'll just come with a really rough skeleton Every once in a while we'll get together and start a song and writing some stuff, but when it, I just I just pretty much put a rough skeleton together and I'll put some lyrics to it and then we just kind of go our own little pocket. Miguel will come up with a, a bass line or whatever he thinks he wants to do and we'll all just sit there and throw ideas out and so I write the skeleton and the lyrics and then but the songs itself they really don't come together until we're together practicing. For example, we have a song called Desperate Man on our first album and that the accordion is really what makes that song. I don't know what that song would be like without the accordion, you know? So everyone brings their own influence and their own ideas into the songwriting. So you just said, when we come together to practice. So in other words, uh, the songwriting happens rather organically. It's not, hey guys, we're getting together Saturdays so that we can write. We're getting together every Saturday so we can write. It's just, while we're together, someone's got an idea, throws it out there. Yep. Practices will consist of, hey, let's get together and run through the set, you know, and we'll start, we won't go through the set. We'll, some, <laughs> somehow, he'll start playing something and all of a sudden our ears will tune to that. I'll be like, all right, man, fast, medium, or, or slow, what are we doing here? And that'll be our focus and we won't play the set, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll come up with a new song and it turns out to be very, like you said, organic. We're just on the fly. Everything's but, on the fly. But Vinny, you said, um, you, you mentioned that the song that we played is from your EP. So thinking of EPs, albums, whatever the case is, 
even though these sessions happen organically in terms of songwriting, is there at the same time any pressure that you put upon yourselves to say, well, wait a minute, we have to have some sort of a calendar, or I shouldn't say a calendar, a timetable in mind of when we want to put out another, I'm going to say full release, but in other words, not a single. Yeah, um, that's. there's always that in the back of your head. Like, you get writer's block. I get writer's block a lot, but... Um, and I feel like, yeah, I gotta get this done, I gotta write some songs. But at the same time, a lot of times I'll write half a song and I'll just put it away and I won't revisit it for who knows how long and then somehow it'll come back and I'll finish the song. Um, as far as putting albums out and full lengths, it's something we always, like the reason we put this last EP out was because we probably didn't have enough songs to put out a full length yet, but we still wanted to, to give people something to listen to, something fresh. So we just, if we have a couple songs, I don't even know if we'll ever put a full length out again. Maybe we'll just every year put a, you know, a four songer out there, yeah. I don't know. So it's not any super gnarly pressure because we just kind of do it for fun and we do it because we like playing together and, and it's great to have people come out and see us and people listen to us. And you were talking about how people listen from all these different countries. We get messages on, on our social media stuff and people are saying that they're, you know, hey, come to this state or that country. So it's cool seeing the songs really reach out further than we'd ever think. And at the same time, you know, the, the industry has changed to where more and more guests who come on my show say, you know, it's really more of a singles-driven industry now where people aren't making sure they're constantly putting out full-length albums. Some are doing EPs, but some are saying, as long as you're releasing singles every so often, you know, then it does kind of relieve the burden of guys. Hey, we got to come up with enough material because yeah, we yeah. got to do a full-length album. And you're here to say, you know, who knows when we'll do another one if we do. Exactly. Yeah, that's the beauty of doing stuff yourself, too. Like, uh, there's so much technology now and the internet and everything's so great that you really can do it all yourself in a sense if you're driven enough and you have the right parts moving and each member takes a little bit of the load and um, you can you can do everything without so you don't have a management to answer to you don't have a label to answer to so you can just kind of do it when you want you know? so I'm late in getting these plugs in I've got a follow-up question I want to ask you but I want to tell the listeners you can find Vinny and the hooligans online at www.vathmusic.org. It stands for Vinny and the Hooligans. So vathmusic.org. And then social media-wise? Yeah, we're on Facebook, just Vinny and the Hooligans. Make sure you spell Vinny with an I-E and not with a Y. And uh, we have uh, Instagram, we have uh, Facebook, we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify. Spotify. Pandora. Pandora, yeah. Uh, so you were talking about recording. Um, have the Vinnie and the Hooligans EPs, albums, have those been done at a traditional studio? Are you recording on your own? So yeah, so originally when we started recording, um, we wanted to do everything individual tracks. You know, that's the only way we knew how to record. And um, we didn't know any better. So we, we started doing that and when our album came up, it came out too, like, it was too, it was too dry. Like we, we didn't know what it was, so we, pretty much just scratched that whole project and went back in and went back with, to the studio with the, this the guy's name John Cernica and he put us in one room, put some mics around and we just did a full live um, wow. recording I like and it. I'm a huge Motown guy, like I love Motown and, and just being at Hitsville and seeing how they recorded all in that one room it brought that, that sense, you know, that vibe of just alright guys, let's throw down and 
it's probably 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 the best recording experiences I've ever had, and, and you know just uh, that's just how we've been doing it. And Vinny, what a tremendous asset it must be to have. And, and again, listeners, keep in mind that I'm only talking to two of the members here, so there are other guys that aren't here, as, as we covered at the outset of the interview. Um, and, even, and even though you said the accordion player is gone, but to have that many influences that come into this, it's got to be such an asset because it's better to have too much than not enough. And all of a sudden, Miguel's sitting here talking about Motown, you know, and all, and all the others that, that the two of you discussed earlier. Well, I have to say that when I was in high school, I always dreamed of having a band with all these instruments. And, you know, a lot of these instruments are hard to come by. It's not easy to find an accordion player, and it's not easy to find... Maybe now it's a little easier with the folk music kind of going a little more mainstream, but I'm definitely blessed um, to meet these guys. And like I said, they're all just really talented musicians. And even some of the guys that we had in the band before, they just picked up their instruments probably a year before we all met. Wow. So our banjo player, he's he's an acrobat, man. And, and our fiddle player is young, but he, he can play that fiddle. I mean, he's just... He's so natural. Yeah, he's it's a just... classical player, and he brings that classical vibe to it where we're all just full force, and then he comes in and brings in this this melodic tones of just like Mozart and, you know, and Bach and all this just subtle details that only other you know classical players will probably catch, but it just sounds so beautiful and pretty. Now, what about the departure of the accordion player? Uh, is there any pressing need to replace him? Will you just go forward with just the four of you? Yeah, we'll go forward with the four of us, and if we happen to come across somebody who brings something new to the table, we're always open to hear it. We've, we've talked about adding drums, um, and we still talk to Scott all the time, and every once in a while he'll jump in on a show to play accordion, and we'll just get a couple practices in before, so everything's good. He's just uh, he's just caught up. He's got a couple kids now, and, and uh, yeah. Bar- yeah, he's a barber. He's doing his thing, and we're, we're, but, I mean, we're all still really close. We still talk to, you know, everything's pretty... Uh, you know, pretty cool, but um, just having him jump on some shows every here and there, it's, and w- when people know about it and it's a local thing, everyone comes out, because then it's just, it just ties in the whole band, like of what people heard when they first started listening. You said we're all pretty close, and, and Vinny, you, you made a reference to when you were in high school. So again, the, some backstory for the, for the listeners who are being introduced to Vinny and the Hooligans for the first time. How did all of you come together as a band? How did you all come to know each other? When did this all happen? Well, to make the, the long story as short as possible, uh, I picked up a gig down in South County at a, a pub called uh, Patsy's Irish Pub. A solo gig? Uh, no, actually, I was just working there, just oh, 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 uh, okay, just, okay. just helping them out on St. Patrick's Day, actually. Okay. And next door to that is a barbershop called Golden Crown um, Barbershop. I went in there. It was newer at the time, so I went in there. I started chatting with somebody, and it happened to be this guy named Max who played the, the mandolin. And he said is that his uh, his roommate played the banjo, and I used to get my hair cut over at King's Club by my accordion player, and we started jamming a little bit together. Just after the shop closed, we'd go in there at night, and we'd play some songs, and I'd teach him some of my songs, and he used to play with him in a different band called Faraway Boys, and, and then we all just made some phone calls, and we said, hey, let's just check this out, see how it goes. Wow. And so we all got together and played some music together, and uh, just kind of went on from there. But that's uh, that's pretty rare, you know, for, for guys to get together, I mean, because typically what you hear is this band tries to form, and this guy didn't work out, or this guy was a jerk, and then we brought in this guy, but he only lasted for two months, and, and it sounds like quite the opposite for Vinny and the Hooligans. Well, for... 
to quote our old mandolin player Maxwell, he said it's the most effortless band he's ever been in. So wow. that's the, that was it. Just happened. It just happened. And so, what about? I'll ask the same question to both of you individually. Um, prior band experience before Vinny and the Hooligans. Miguel, I'm looking at you, so you can yeah. answer that first. So I started playing. Um, I started playing bass when I was uh, like 19, 20, and. Um, with Scott, our accordion player, we had a band called Faraway Boys, and it was like a rockabilly, uh, like a neo-rockabilly kind of band, so we started touring, and did, we did some stuff with that, um, and we did that for about five years or so, and then from there, I would get picked up with other bands just doing session work and touring, and right as I was kind of, you know, that kind of slowed down a little bit, I just get a phone call from Scott, he's like, hey, I'm dropping off a CD. He's like, check this guy out. He's like, I think you're gonna dig it. You know, let's just get together after work, just at the barber shop, and just have a good time. And the rest of it was, it was just kind of like, that, this is what I've been looking for. It's so weird. That's awesome. That's it's awesome. Been, it's been so much fun ever since. Vinny, um, I just was playing some. I would just write songs, just folk songs. Me and my guitar, and play a little harmonica here and there. And I played a couple, uh, a couple smaller pubs down in Dana Point. Um, just doing some solo stuff and, and then I put together just a couple songs recorded with a buddy of mine named Chad David. Um, he has a studio in RSM called Sound Connected. And we just made a couple songs and then I handed it to my accordion player and said, hey, here's what I do. I heard you started playing the accordion. Let's, uh, you know, if you want to get together after work, if you dig the music. He sat on it for like two months. He finally listened to it and then we just all started getting together. Cool, cool. Well, we're almost out of time, but I have two final questions. Um, number one is, um, it's about the NAM show. Is, is this your first time here? Uh, what else are you doing at the NAM show? And then along that lines, for those listeners who are up and coming performers themselves, um, do you suggest that they try to find themselves a way to get into NAM? Um, well, for the first question, we have done this for four years now, I think. We've come to NAM. We played, uh, we played the Marriott a couple times. We played the Grand Stage Plaza out there last year or two years ago. Um, we played the Hilton this year, and we're going to go play the Deering Banjo booth later today. Um, our banjo player is an a endorsed artist for them. Um, as far as musicians trying to get into NAM, it's a great experience. You meet a lot of awesome people. You, you make a lot of friends, and it's a good way to get your name out there, and you get to play in front of a lot of people. It's great. But I think the best thing is as long as you make good connections and you're friendly to people, they're going to be friendly to you. and. And, uh, you know, it's all about just playing as much as you can in front of as many people as you can. Uh, final question is, you know, we talked before about trying to put some sort of timetable out there for releasing music, but just bigger picture, 2017 in general, are there any kind of goals or milestones that Vinny and the Hooligans are, are looking to, to hit this year, things you're looking to accomplish that maybe you've discussed or kind of just have on the radar? Um, well... It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a crazy year. Um, not so. I mean, just with our, our own personal life. So I don't. I mean, I think right now things are just kind of how how they come. You know, we're gonna take them as they come. Possibly, I'm hoping that we could do an album, like maybe another another uh, four song EP. I think we should. Yeah, I think we'll we have the songs, so we'll probably just write some songs and maybe we can record them and get them out there. And even if it's towards the end of the year, that would be fine with me. So. Well, guys, thanks for making the time. I know it's a busy event. I appreciate you coming in. Thanks for being on Now Here This Entertainment.
Thank make, you. Thanks for having us. Listeners, make sure you check them out online at www.vathmusic.org. It stands for Vinny and the Hooligans. Vathmusic.org. And then again, the social media. Uh, social media, we're on Instagram and on Facebook. Just look up Vinny and the Hooligans, and that's Vinny with an I-E, not with a Y. <laughs> and, of course, do check out www.nhte.net and subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. We are on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and even TuneIn Radio. And this is Now Here This Entertainment. We are at the Tascam booth at the NAMM Show in Anaheim, California. We'll see you on the next episode of NHTE. We're leaving now with a song from Vinny and the Hooligans. This is called Minor Ballad. And Vinny, why don't you just tell the listeners before we play it what this song is about? This song is just about working hard. It's another song about growing up. Uh, it's for the, all the uh, blue-collar fellows out there that are are trying to trying to make it. You know, fighting fires, uh, you know, laying pipe. That's what I do personally. I'm a plumber, so that's where the inspiration came, just working hard. Vinny and the Hooligans, Minor Ballad.
my paw and his father's before His hands were black but his heart was true Shatter it again right now. Just to like fire it up. I'll do one more. Hey. It's up to you guys. What do you think, Johnny? 